Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcast. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale, and we are back with the final episode of this week. But next week, we're bringing you another three shows. It's so great to be back on this three show run. So, this week to round out the combat sports, we are talking about MMA on this episode. So, we're talking UFC. 256 that happens this weekend we're talking about dana white making cuts to the ufc roster and throwing a little bit of bellator in there sprinkling it in for good measure as well but to start off dre last show we talked about comedy and rightfully so some people came out my neck like some people were on my head because i said that adam sandler was better than will ferrell i have gone to the tape i have reviewed the tape and I have reversed the call. I went under the hood. Like I'm an NFL ref. I came out. The call has been reversed and confirmed Will Ferrell has the better movies. Yes. Thank you. That's all I can say about that. Thank yeah. You. I watched Zoolander. Him as Godsu is is just incredible. Dude, Hansel's so <laughs> hot right now. Like they, yo, <laughs> he, the man's got bars, man. This man's got amazing bars. He's got nothing but one liners all the time. He's incredible. 
Yeah, that shit's funny. Even when he's not the star of the movie, he's just he makes himself the star. So I'll give it to you. That's perfectly fine. Will Ferrell takes that one. On today's show, though, I feel like we get back into our music bag, but it's not hip hop. Usually, we're talking hip hop and everything. Getting more R and B vibes for this episode, so I had to start it off with the latest verses. Because yeah. I know you'll be watching, right? No, it's happening Saturday night. We have fights on. Might as well throw it on in the background. Mm-mm. No, no, not gonna happen. I can't Ke- stand either of their music. I, like what? neither of them. Yuck. Keisha Cole versus Ashanti. My, now that I know your position, this is gonna be a tough question. Do they? Do either of them have twenty songs? Ashanti could play twenty guest spots and plus her songs. Yeah, Keisha. I don't know. Like there's. I think for the crowd that enjoys their music, which is not me, I think Keisha has enough in her bag like she could sneak in like last night and a few other joints in there to make it competitive. But Ashanti has more of the popular songs, and the nostalgia effect will certainly hit when she plays a lot of that, those joints with Ja Rule. She just is a terrible singer. Yeah. That's, she's awful. Keisha's, Keisha yells at me a lot, but... um. She's a better singer, but she doesn't. I don't think she makes better music, even though I don't like either of their music. I think, I think it'll be interesting to see. I just ain't watching that shit. So you guys can tell me what happens because I, I won't be paying it any mind. Yikes! I agree though. Keisha Cole is a better singer. I'm not sure if Ashanti can naturally sing at all. She kind of just gets bad, you know, by on her pen and being able to write songs and write hits, uh, which kind of went by the wayside. If you use the Gucci Mane logic, I'm not sure either of them have current hits that they can play. No, they don't. I mean, dude, this is a nostalgia versus, and I think Ashanti can play, like, Down For You, and there's just a lot of shit she can play that people would be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I don't think Keisha Cole has that many, like, oh, surprise, here's a song that you might have forgot. I don't think she really has that. But, you know, enjoy yourselves with that one. I just, again... It's not a ver. I need I, the only person who wins is my time because I don't. I don't need that shit. <laughs> You've watched some crazy verses, but this one's not going to get you. Mm-mm. That's that's wild. I feel like this one has the potential to grab an audience that we haven't seen since what Erica. I don't Erica I, and Joe. Like they, no, nah. no, that's not true. Since Monica and Brandy. It's going to grab that same audience. I don't even think it's that same audience because people who like Monica and Brandy like people who can sing and Ashanti doesn't fall in that category. So this is like a 2000s era battle. Like, was it mid-2000s when Ashanti really took off? Early. Because 50 Cent killed Ja's career. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. right, right. Oh, three. Oh, four. (laughs) You're right. So, like, yeah, all those Ashanti joints, like, again, all the Ja Rule collaborations, all that happened early 2000s. So it'll capture people who were in, like, I guess grade school and high school when those songs came out. And then the Keisha crowd, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, Keisha got a strong following, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, uh, y'all enjoy that shit. <laughs> that brings up my next question. So you mentioned that 2000s run of R&B. What's the golden era of women's R&B then? 90s, hands down. Well, shit. <laughs> Let me think about See, that for now, a minute. Yeah, like, now that you think, I mean, <sighs> 80s? See, 80s is strong because of Janet and Whitney and, like, Shaka in the early 
Porsche in the seventies are strong. You have Anita and Patty. See, I'm not sure if I count the seventies. Like to me, that's soul. Yeah, well, R and B. Like they yeah, were. It's still R and B. R and B still. We're counting that. That's yeah. tough. Then that's so, tough. Yeah, it makes it tough, but the reason why I say the 90s is because, well, shit, because Janet was flourishing in the 90s as well. Like, If and the, the That's the yeah. Way Love Goes and all that shit Whitney came out. Whitney went over into the 90s. A lot of them had that, that yeah. carryover. And like, Mariah was huge. Mariah had just emerged in the 90s. So, like, Daydream and all that stuff came out. So, I, I'd have to say the 90s because that even though the 80s was had some really strong, strong... Um, power ballads there was like but then the 90s man you had like tamia so into you like there was some straight jams in the 90s oh yeah i mean you had the group my my one obviously would be the 90s if we're counting the 70s you're getting a run for their money because my grandma yeah. janice goes like through all that shit because they, they're all dog in the 70s they sang yeah like yeah, they were singing whole, like they don't say different like level no nah, nah, a whole different level but the volume in the 90s, I think, is what is what gets every other era. Because, I mean, you get the SWVs, right? Like, you get all of these early Destiny's Child. You get TLC. You get all of these groups that are amazing. And then you have the women who are solo artists as well to just throw on top of that. So, Mary J. Blige is in there. There's just so much volume to the 90s god damn but even the 80s you had anita baker like man this this you're still the, I, i'm gonna still take the 90s mary j because mary j Ooh, but yeah the 80s are pretty goddamn strong they just the 90s yeah no love for the 2010s fuck no so we're not giving the beyonce's the rihanna Mm-mm. in the no. beginning to the list is short man like in terms yeah. of like to now the hers the uh her is like to me i keep saying this there her is everything alicia keys wanted to be right <laughs> you're just crushing the 2000s i feel like you got to rank them early like 2000 through 09 is probably your least favorite yeah probably in, in terms of a lot of music even though a lot of dope shit came out like the 90s there was a uh in the 2000s there wasn't as much of a transition it was very sing-songy rap shit that happened in the 2000s where it was like a hybrid where R&B singers really wanted to be rappers. Whereas in the 90s, you started off with like the strong R&B singers with power ballads. And then you have the Jodeces came out and really kind of changed the game. And then later in the, in the that's when the hybrid between R&B and hip hop happened. But yeah. the 2000s was like all the same shit. And there were just not a lot of great singers. Everybody started leaning on like studio. So you had like Jennifer Lopez, right? fucking terrible singer but she had a bunch of hits but she couldn't sing anybody any of the great singers of the 90s and the 80s out of the water so and now it's kind of coming back like i i keep saying it, i really enjoy hers music i think she is so dope to me but beyonce yeah. and rihanna carried the 2000s other than that i don't know <laughs> yeah in terms of like female i mean i guess alicia was in there kind of you don't like alicia either? at all i think alicia keys is terrible wow i think she's incredibly talented pianist right i think she's incredibly talented in that aspect but her voice it's like it's like cats to me like just cats scraping <laughs> on a chalkboard like she sings she's very flat her background singers always blow her out the water that's like the worst like black background singers can always sing but if your background singers are always nuking you on songs it's like something's got to give that's why i say her can sing alicia keys cannot 
And she's not a really good songwriter either. So Yeah, that's you know. that kinda hurts. I, I feel like now the the women's R and B kind of wave is even surpassing and has surpassed like the men's R and B wave currently. Because there's so many talented people. Like, uh, the Summer Walker chick's not bad. My daughter loves like, Summer Walker. I like Summer. A lot of people don't like um, Summer's attitude, but I like her music. I enjoy her music. Yeah, I, I don't listen to interviews with her, so maybe her atti- attitude is thing, but I don't know. Yeah, My daughter plays her music all the time. That's cool. Um, we talk about, you know, there's just so many talented young women singers right now that it, it's it's crazy. So maybe we're seeing a resurgence. Yeah, early 2000s probably. It was was the lamest, driest point for women's R and B. So so that hurt. They were taking that one off the table. Now, to make it even tougher though, if you had to put together a women's R and B Mount Rushmore, who was on there? Ooh. And my list is blasphemous because I did not know we were counting the seventies. So off rip, do not judge me. I did not know the seventies were included. So you'll not see Patty on my list. You'll not see Anita. You'll not see anything like that on my list. Well, then you give your list first. Well, no, I'll give mine. Then you can you can think about it after I give my list. Because this isn't hard for me. Aretha. Well, is it four? Are we doing four or five? Four. On the four. 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 Aretha Franklin. Uh, Ooh. Beyonce. Um, Whitney, of course. Because this is making me force me to think of vocalists. This is where it gets tough. Because it's there's Diana Ross, who comes close, but she doesn't make the cut for me, even though she was incredible and had some jams. Another person we didn't talk about from like the eighties and nineties is Sade, who's one of the illest ever. But I feel like you'd be you're the biggest Sade fan. We haven't oh, even fuck, talked about I Sade. I love Sade. Dog. <laughs> Sade. Like you love Sade. Oh, I love Sade. That's that's my that's my vibe. Like when I was a kid, I didn't get it, and then I got older, and I was like, if I need to clean my house, I could listen to Sade and Maxwell all day. Um. <laughs> But that, that last spot is either, it's, and this is a Mount Rushmore because, okay, Beyonce, Aretha, who did I say? Beyonce, Aretha, Whitney. Yeah, those are your three songs. <sighs> oh, I hate to do this because I really don't care for her music. But what she has done, there's three. This is the final three. It's Patti LaBelle, Janet Jackson, and Mariah Carey. And I, I, I don't really like Mariah's music like that. I think Janice got more jams, but Mariah's voice is incredible. So I'm going to put Mariah up there. And it's a Mount Rushmore, so I'm going to say it's not personal preference as much as it is um, career accomplishments. And Mariah has gone from, she's like the rock of R&B. Because <laughs> there are days it'd be like, oh, she's white today. Oh, no, no, she's black. Like, I think of like One Sweet Day with Boys and Men. I think of Daydream. I think of Honey. I think of everything that Mariah's done, and she has to be on the Mount Rushmore. So there it is. All right, that's it's a strong list. I feel like our lists are very similar. Because um, I guess, yeah, it's hard to blast out that star power off of a list, right? Yes, it's so, hard. Mariah, Beyonce were on my list. Um, Whitney is on the list. Even though I'm, I'm a little iffy about Whitney. But mid-90s got dicey. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. She still had... Um, the soundtrack shit that was just crazy. Waiting to exhale bodyguard. shit was and body, bodyguard, bodyguard. Waiting to exhale like that. That carried her enough, in my opinion. Listen, she's on the list just because of the way she's saying the national anthem at the Super Bowl. <laughs> like <laughs> that alone is like the greatest national anthem performance ever. 
so yeah so my last spot and now that we're encompassing everything i will take it into account before i had mary j Mm. in my in my spot my fourth spot but now that i take everything into account my head would say Tina Turner has to get that spot. Ooh, that's a good. It's a good pick. Tina's a, Tina's. If a we're good counting pick. that era, Tina's, Tina's got to be my fourth spot. But I die. There's just like that means you'd have to eliminate Aretha. There's no way I'm eliminating. I love. T- I like Tina more than Aretha. Yeah. I just like the music more. I'm, now as a sing- like singer, now we're getting into technical shit. So I mean, I'll defer. But the music, the songs, the hits, I'll take Tina. Mm. I love the story. Her and Ike, it's iconic. Like she's an icon yes she is outside of the music so tina would be that fourth spot for me if we're counting that era and then my heart which is weird because i mean it's not in constant rotation around the crib but when i when i feel it i feel it i really and this i wouldn't put her in my mount rushmore but just as a fan i really love jill scott yeah jill's jill see so contemporary I love Jill Scott. Like, if someone put Erica in their Mount Rushmore, I wouldn't be mad either. It's like Sade. It's like one of those, like, this is a personal favorite that I wish I could sneak in there. To me, Janet isn't close to the Mount Rushmore necessarily. Ooh, I think she's I think she's close because what she did, like, she, first of all, nobody could touch Janet performing-wise as far as women are Ooh, concerned. Ooh, in concert. I mean, Beyonce. Could. Outside of that. Yeah, outside of Beyonce. There was nobody, like, Janet redefined what a concert experience was like. Yeah. So, she's close on mine. The other person who's who's close on my list, and people are going to say, you didn't say her, Shaka Khan. Because, Shaka, I feel for you. As a kid growing up, I used to listen to I feel for you, and ain't nobody all the time. But she's just she just barely misses the mark. And again, I actually prefer Shaka's music over Mariah's, but... Mariah just she just doesn't go away. Mary J, I've never really liked her music since what's the four one one and the self titled Mary J album. <laughs> I've never and then when when it became the dancery shit, I was over it. <laughs> yeah, that hurt. That hurt towards the end. Yeah, I was over it, but I can see why people love Mary the way they do. So I'm I'm not mad at people who are you know under thirty will be like Mary J, and I'm like, all right, you probably missed the whole Aretha wave. So I get it. Yeah, if if we took the seventies out. I guess if my last spot had to be Mary J versus Janet, I don't know if I could make a good enough case for Mary J over Janet. No, I can't. So that is tough. Mary J might made my list, but Janet to me, I don't, I don't know why Janet just didn't feel like she was there. But Janet, I guess, had hits all the way through late nineties. Doc, I mean, you go through the er like the eighties. You that go bust the th- rhyme shit in like ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. I mean, like, the the Velvet Rope album is really what puts her over for a lot of people because she kept redefining herself. Like she kept recreating yeah. who she was, but the performances would never change. The Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis era of Janet, the Rhythm Nation, like that whole Rhythm Nation Janet, incredible. The If. The sexy Janet, when she became that version, incredible. <laughs> That's the way love goes. Still one of my favorite woman R&B songs. But then you go to the, the late 90s, the Velvet Rope. There's so many people that love that album. So I can't. They're going to people that are like, yeah, Mary J. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But like Mary J always makes, to me, she makes like the same goddamn music. Like okay. I'm doing just fine is like the epitome of who Mary J is. It's like Rihanna. No. Mary's, to me, Rihanna makes the same damn thing over and over. I mean, She's I, very good at it. 
Yeah, well, I guess you, you could say that. But I think Mary's just, it's very, um, I'm a scorned woman and I'm going to be okay and yeah. fuck you. And that's like Mary J's music for her entire life. And I'm not mad at it because it works because, you know, there's people that need that music in their life. Just doesn't make my list. Yeah, I mean, it's like Keisha Cole, who <laughs> obviously yeah. doesn't do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nah, I mean, that was easier than I thought it'd be. I mean, but it's great to talk r&b and you like you say listen to a lot of stuff that isn't hip-hop all the damn time yep. so you're constantly listening to r&b so i felt like this is a nice show to sneak that in i'm sure you're gonna peep some of the verses so next week if something wild happens or there's a gif or a meme we'll talk about that right now though we're headed to the break because when we come back it's time to talk mma and we're going to be talking about dana white making cuts to the ufc roster what that means for veterans what that means for recently signed fighters where the promotion is going from there, and where some of the people being cut may land. So you guys stay right there. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visit Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, just that fast, we are back and we're talking MMA. Dre, we're starting off with Dana White himself saying that Yoel Romero will not be the first, or excuse me, not the first, he will not be the last big name cut from the roster. He's planning 60-plus fighters will be cut from the roster. When you look at the roster, it has a lot of people on it. They have more people in the UFC currently than the entire NBA. That is a lot of fighters, but... When you cut from the top, you're getting real dicey. Do you think Dana White... One, where do you think these 60 cuts come from? And then do you think Dana White is taking a huge gamble by cutting recognizable names? No, he's not taking a huge gamble, and here's why. Because what Dana White has done consistently over the past year, and especially with this pandemic coming back is he's continued to just book cars that are not particularly heavy on star power. He just put Alex Perez in the main event of a UFC pay-per-view who won a contender series and is probably still on a 12-12 and contract. <laughs> so if you can do that, 
it's the, and get away with it and cut your overhead, you can continue to do it by keeping your stars that you have now and then saying fuck off to all the guys who helped build your brand. That's what Dana's kind of doing. He's mm-hmm. pushing these fighters into retirement, and now he's just going to be like, well, I'm just going to release you. So, you know, the, one of the people I expect to be gone is like Alistair Overeem because he makes more than a majority of the roster. He'll never compete for a title. He's done his time. Those guys, him, uh, the Clay Guidas of the world, Matt Wyman just got cut. Um, all Diego Sanchez is probably going to be on the outs. Anybody who's been here long enough to see their pay bump because of their tenure with the company is out of here. So I yeah, get it. Tough. I don't necessarily agree with it. But I get it. No, I agree. I mean, you look at those guys who, where I mean, I don't even know where that. What is it? Reebok still money? Whatever the fight kits are, I don't know where that goes. But I know the longer you're in the company, the bigger that bonus is. Um, and it comes down to how much are you spending on these cards when you look at in the pandemic with no fans, people are buying these cards. And the numbers haven't necessarily dropped when you have your stars on the card, no matter who's on the undercard. Like the days of super stacked cards, I I think may be behind us. I think we're going to go to more of a a boxing model, not as drastic where, okay, it's just the main event. But I think you'll see like it's just the top three fights and everything else underneath are people looking for their place. It's not going to be like. You know, the number two flyweight versus the number three flyweight on the ESPN Plus card leading up to the fight or the ESPN 2 card. No, I I think those days are done. Yeah, no, I I think so. Just for the reasons that you mentioned. And for a lot of people that what Dana has built is a brand where it's the three letters UFC first, Dana White second, the fighters third. The big mistake in all this was Conor McGregor. He fucked up the He turned over the apple cart. He came in and started doing what he wanted to do. And Dana was like, I can't let that shit happen again. I can't let the inmates run the asylum. And it sucks because this is why the fighters need to unionize. But this is why you're going to get fucking cut. Because he's, he's got control over this. And the brand, people watch UFC cards because they are entertaining. Even though the half of these fighters that you don't know, like you got, you look at like Chaos Williams, for instance, who's just gone on this tear, or like Kevin Holland. These guys are on contender contracts. So why would I pay them the six figures that Alistair Overeem makes for one fight when I can squeeze them for five fights and they still don't touch Overeem for one fight? It's crazy, but that's what he's going to do. He's built that brand where it's not relying on fighters' names, it's reliant on the UFC. Yeah, and I, as long as you can have mega fights or a star on, what, one-third of your fights every year, I think you'll be all right. Every three months, if you pop a big number and your overhead isn't crazy because you're not paying anyone, I think that's a business model that's sustainable. But as a fan, do you, does that sour the hardcore traditional MMA fans that buy these fights? Because, listen... Hardcore fans drive the UFC more than maybe any other sport. They'll buy this upcoming fight with Davison Figueroa, like on some wild shit, out of habit. And they've been here since WEC, like Strike Force, they, Pride. They've watched all that shit. They've seen stack cards. They've they've been used to this. Will that alienate them? Hmm. 
Not really. I think the diehards are just going to be diehards because, as we mentioned before, the UFC just has this unique audience. Like, they, we don't rock with the majority of MMA fans. Like, their politics no. are different. Their ideologies are different. So they're going to stick by the brand. Those of us who have been with the sport for a long time is like, man, there's too many fucking cards, right? Like, there's there's a hardcore base of us who've been watching UFC for, like, the last 10 to 15 years and went from quality to just a bunch of shows. And it might, you know, it might hurt a little bit. But if you lose one viewer, but you're saving, like, six figures for a fight, for a fighter, for Dana, this is a easy exchange. So, again, it sucks. You wish there was loyalty to some of these fighters. And there's going to be. Cowboy Cerrone, he ain't going nowhere. Like, no matter what happens, he's there forever. Oh, but, he's not cutting him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But the uh, some of the other fighters, you lose a few fights in a row, time to go. See you later. So, yeah. It, they'll be The UFC will be fine for the time being. The only thing they have to be careful now is Israel Adesanya. Because he is growing faster than I think they anticipated. And they're going to have to reel him in before he becomes a problem. A problem what? Like in making too much money? No. Problem <laughs> like calling his shots and making decisions and doing things. Because him doing the Tyson Jones commentary was a revelation for a lot of people. They were like, oh, he can do this too? Like Conor McGregor is a mistake because he began to call his shots. And he tried to air out Daniel. He was bigger than the brand. Adesanya is on that same course. He really has no loyalty to the UFC where he's like, oh, they helped bail me out some shit. Like, he's not he's not Daniel Cormier. Adesanya could be like, I ain't doing that shit. And he could blow their spot on social media. That's not what the UFC wants. They don't want somebody who can kind of rattle the cages and get the inmates upset. Adesanya seems like the type of guy that would say like a teammate or just somebody who is not making enough money and he'll call it out on social media. He's a little mm. bit different in Connor in that sense. I feel like he's more of a man of the people. Connor just blew up, probably snorted some cocaine along the way, and was just like, I'm going to go box. Even though he boxed and Dana was like, this is a great thing, that's not what Dana White really wants Connor to do. He wants him to fight for the UFC. Yeah, he wants all the money, not a split yeah. of the money. I think Adesanya, is be, he can be, it, it, I wouldn't mind it, because I want to see fighters t- take control of their own destinies. But Dana doesn't want to see a fighter become bigger than the UFC. And Adesanya's on his way. Yeah, that's tough. Again, though, I'm never counting or I'm never just going to check off the box of the UFC is going to make a black man their biggest star. Right? Like, is that just me being pessimistic? Because it's hard for me to see that. It won't be up to them. See, what Adesanya is, is he's a guy who came in the Dana White title because he could fight. And then he moved really quick. Sim- and this is why the com- Conor McGregor comparisons happen. Similar to Conor, when they started giving him fights, and Adesanya was like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. And then he just kept winning. That's what Conor did. Conor was like, all right, cool. Chad Mendez, fuck it. I'll fight you. Anybody who is there, he- they'll fight. But then a the thing happens because they become champion. And then you're like, all right, cool. I'm happy. This is the guy that becomes champion. But then all the other opportunities outside of the UFC open. Like, Adesanya is a guy who I could see, like, I'm trying to get me a Nike deal. And then be button heads with the UFC. Like, he has a vision that's bigger than just fighting for Dana White. And mm. that's what Dana doesn't want. He doesn't really want that to happen. So, it, it's not even... So, this is my point. Dana can't control how big of a star Adesanya is unless he tries to take fights away from him. But at the same time, you do that, Adesanya starts barking on social media, makes him a bigger star. 
You don't want to make him a martyr. You don't want to do any of these things. So they have to figure this part out. If Adesanya goes out there and wrecks Jan in March, I think that's when it's scheduled for, and he becomes a dual champion, they're going to have a problem on their hands because he's going to demand a John Jones fight. He's not going to be for the bullshit. And he's already going to be like their biggest star and Dana can't control it. Like then Adesanya can do things. Let's just say, hypothetically speaking, it's been very quiet for the past four or five months. Let's just say another issue of police brutality happens. That's very mainstream. And Adesanya starts talking about this on a public level in direct defiance of who Dana White is and the things that he has done. That becomes a problem of ideologies. Dana don't want to see that shit. Adesanya basically saying... Yeah, Black Lives Matter. I don't give a fuck what the UFC thinks. I'm black. This is what I'm doing. Dana, he can't control that. It's out of his hands now. Yeah, I mean, oddly enough, Dana controls when he's booked and how often he's booked. But if you have that amount of star power, he'd be like, yo, I'm ready to fight. Ain't shit Dana really can say. Like, he kind of has to put you in a fight. He does. If you're not injured, you know? Like, if you're not injured and you're ready to go... You kind of got to be able to fight. So, yeah, Dana is kind of caught between a rock and a hard place with his stars. To his credit, he only got like three or four of them. Yeah. He, he knows so how to you, shut that shit down real quick. Yeah, you can manage everyone else because everyone else is in the position where they're not a superstar. They may be known, they get a little name, but they're not a superstar. Cowboy's not a superstar. No. they owe, They feel like they owe something to the UFC. Like... Well, the UFC also, what Dana also knows is, unlike boxing, in MMA, the turnover is so quick. You can be a champion, and then all of a sudden, you're washed. Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman beat Anderson Silva, the unbeatable Anderson Silva. Chris Weidman, I believe, without looking, is 2-5 and in his last seven fights. Yikes. Everything changes so quick. And Dana can rely on that. Like, you can be a star, but eventually, you're going to fall off that pedestal and beg me for a job. Because it changes. There's nobody that's really that dominant for that long. And that brings us to the next half of this. We see Yoel Romero get cut. But who's next? Like, who's who's on that chopping block? Like, you got to win or you got to go. Chris Weidman is the name there for me. Yeah, Chris Weidman immediately. Weidman, like I said, all the OGs, Sanchez, Weidman, Guida. Tyron Woodley, I think. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. He can't wait oh. to throw him out the door. <laughs> you know, like, Dana can't wait. You lose one more. Yeah, he might be on that list of 60 already. Yeah, like that. It's all long tenure guys. Andre Arlovsky, um is a guy who can probably go. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else there is. I mean, in the women's division, we've seen a couple cut already. But I, I feel like they're not making the bulk of the money yet. Nah, the women's they're division fine. is so new yeah. that a lot of them can stick around. It, it wouldn't be. Um, I can't like see. Angie's it. not going to get cut. No, no, no. Even no. though Angie's record says she's like two and five in her last seven. But two of those could have went the other way. Two or three of them, she got screwed. In. It's not record. It's how much they are start, How much they are making. So another person who I could see getting cut if they lose their next fight, Jose Aldo. Ooh. He makes a lot of money. He does make a lot of money. I'd be, sur- I'd be surprised if they let him go. But one, it's kind of like the Vince McMahon shit. I didn't make you. Right? It's kind of like Vince McMahon, like when he looks at WCW guys or TNA guys, you're not really mine. So it's okay if you go. Yep. Right? So if Yoel Romero is gone, I, Jose Aldo, I could, if he loses his next fight, see ya. Gone. Yeah. 
that's it's crazy to think that a lot of these names, but that turnover has to happen eventually. And it's something we've kind of been clamoring for in the WWE. Like, yo, stop parading the big show out every now and then. Like, we don't have to see these older acts come through and take spots from the younger guys. Like, Sheamus is great and all, and he has a good physique and all this stuff. But listen, he had his day. He's had 15 years of a run. Let's see what some of these new guys can do. So I, I feel like the UFC going with that model, you, you get the guys um, like uh, who's just hit the scene crazy. Kamaev just went crazy. You get that because you're giving these people opportunities. I disagree because in the WWE, you have segments and you have spots for your champions and you write who these guys are. You pick them. The UFC, you can kind of pick who you want to win, but then the fights have to play out. So it's like you can get somebody like a Rafael Nadal, for instance, and think he's going to be great. And then he loses and you're like, oh, fuck. In the WWE, if you end up kind of being trash, you can kind of mask it. Like, think about it. Goldberg, right? Like, which we'll talk yeah. about. <laughs> like, he might be in a match with Roman Reigns again because that's the way they want to do it. This is, has nothing to do with how talented you are. It's just what they feel like writing. It's not really the same. So, I there's some people that I don't necessarily want to see shoved into retirement. Like, Shogun Hua, yeah, he got... Yeah, he's another guy on the way out. Um... <laughs> He lost to Paul Craig, so it's like, well, do you, I mean, you want to see him go, but do, I, I don't want to see a bunch of guys, like, not employed, right? Even though they could go to Bellator or, the, again, you know, Bellator can only sign so many fighters. Yeah, you can go to one. Yeah, there's places. There's PFL. There's places you can go, but they've done so much for the UFC, right? Like, they've done so much to bring eyeballs to the sport, and... Just to be unceremoniously just cut down for a guy who's, again, making a 12 and 12, that sucks. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of those things like, if you're not going to walk away yourself, we kind of got to kick you out of this damn door. We got to throw you out like Jazz on the Fresh Prince. Because a lot of them, BJ Penn, will continue fighting if you let him. I think Uriah Faber is still under contract. Yeah, I mean, it's that's true. I Like, this is a rare sport. Where those vets don't know when to go. Like Anderson, come on, sir. It was your time to go. Yeah, I you mean. You kind of had to cut him. Well, see, it's interesting because it depends on what you want to do with these guys. So if you take a guy like Anderson Silva, no, he's never going to be champion again. But he's still got name recognition. Well, the UFC's managed to put UFC over any fighters. So, like, Anderson could fight entertaining fights with guys in the lower. Um, 10 to 15 range, right? Unranked 10 to 15 range. You could do that, but the UFC doesn't want to pay Anderson that kind of money to have those fights if he's not going to be competing for a title. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. Um, I just don't want to see these guys poor because they didn't make a lot of money to begin with. It sounds good, but once your career is over, like, what are you going to do? Drive a cab? Like, wh- what's your job? You can train, but there ain't a lot of money in that. You could be like Mike Brown, who's a great trainer, but I'm sure he's not making a ton of money. All these guys can't train fighters. What are they going to do? Yep. Yeah. That's a question. You're going to see an influx of people where it's like, yo, you've been fighting for 23 years. What else do you got? Not everyone can go to commentary and be good. No, everybody's not Paul Felder, who's incredible. Yeah, so it's it's rough. They They have to figure out what's next. And looking at that, before we hit the break and recap um, the UFC from last weekend, 
I got another list for you. Double list this show. Oh, yeah. Who are your current top five fighters outside of the UFC? Ah, oh, man. Um, Pitbull, AJ McKee. Immediately wow. two, two come to mind. Immediately. I was going to say put him in order, but no, it's easier to just spout them no, off. No, I'm going to spout them off. Yeah. Um, Kayla Harrison. Oh. Yeah, I got to put Kayla in there because she makes noise immediately in that in the women's division. Um, I don't think she's been tested like that. That's what I'm saying. You bring her to the UFC, it's immediate. It's a, it's like you bring her in and she's already, she's gonna wreck shop immediately. Um, I said AJ McKee. I said Pitbull. <sighs> Vadim, maybe. I'm looking at a lot at Bellator. Um, and I mean, I still think Demetrius Johnson. <laughs> he's, I was about to say he's number one on my list. Yeah, like there's <laughs> there's no way like this guy there's no way this guy should have been cut first and foremost at what traded whatever the fuck traded. Um, <laughs> but he's still one of the best in the world. So yeah, I think that's my list. Bunch of Bellator guys: Kayla Harrison, Demetrius Johnson. All right, I got Mighty Mouse, Pitbull, Cyborg. Oh, um, yeah, Cyborg, yeah, yeah, Cyborg's still around, and everyone not named Amanda Nunez can still catch these hands. True indeed. And I'm not sure. Maybe she could. I'd like to see her and Amanda again. I would too. I think that fight's completely different the second time around. Like Cyborg knows now. She's been yeah, put on yeah. notice. She she can prepare for the power. Like she she felt the power. She got a taste of it. She won't go in there reckless, just thinking like, "Yo, I can throw hands." Got to have some type of a game plan. Um, AJ McKee is on that list, and then after that, yeah, we start splitting hairs but someone who's entertaining to me that i like watching that it's always odd because you know he's not in he's never had a ufc run or anything but i think he has that star quality um got wrecked once but i'm not holding against him mvp yeah they got the king of the mid carters like this is pro wrestling but if you put him in like the ufc spectrum and casuals got their eyes on him the guy would blow up like he does the pikachu shit like all this stuff and i mean he shattered someone's whole head. Yeah. The whole forehead caved in. So the guy has skills. He lost that one fight um, in the tournament, bounced back against a couple more mid-card guys. <laughs> and he, he's a guy who can live there but be a star there. I don't know if he's ever be a champion, but he could be a star there. I think he would be better utilized in the UFC for his set of skills because he's more of an entertainer. But even then, like I, I think he, he makes my top five. Yeah. Off a of gimmick alone. Yeah, no, he, I can see him definitely there. And then uh, McFarlane I can always see, see as well. As we're recording, she's about to defend her title. She may lose. She's fighting somebody undefeated tonight. But um, McFarlane is great in Bellator. Also, you know, a woman I'd like to see in the UFC is Julia Budd. Julia's really good. Yes, she lost to Cyborg. But I think she can help. I say, we saw her in the UFC, no? No, well, she was in Strike Force. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, she got subbed super quick by Ronda, but then she had a great run in Bellator before she ran into the bus known as Cyborg. And I like Julia Budd. I think she's really talented, but um, I, I think she can help fill out a division that needs some quality opponents. But uh, I, I'm happy with my five because I think, I think McKee comes in and becomes an immediate problem. Same with Pitbull. I think Pitbull might end up being featherweight champion if he were to come to the UFC. I don't know. Oh, it's tough. Him. That's that style is rough though. That style is a lot like Gaethje, 
where it is kill or be killed. Yeah, but he's and so, there's a he's so, lot of killers. He's so technically sound, man. Like he's so technically sound with his striking, and it's like, and the ground game's incredible, and he's been virtually untouchable lately. So it's like, and there's been some tur- turnover. Like I would love to see Pitbull versus Max Holloway. That's such a me clash too. of styles. Like, that is the fight for me. Even though Max isn't champion right now. Granted, I thought he won the last fight. A lot of people. To do. win his belt back. But he's not the champion currently. But that's a stylistic fight that I think is just amazing. Yeah. I mean, we'd love to see it. It's, it's, you know, on our pro wrestling show, we'll get to talk about Kenny Omega appearing on Impact and possibly cross-promoting. I wish the UFC would open their doors for these occasional, like, WrestleMania big event super fights. Yep, and just co-promote like one show, you know, best of both worlds type shit, where we can see these fights one time for some like ridiculous trophy that the promotion gets to take home. I'd love to see Pitbull versus Max Holloway. What's Pitbull's second title? Wait, he's one forty-five and one fifty-five. Yeah. Okay, I was wondering that because there's matchups even outside of that that I would love to see. Like, it's weird because he's a little bit bigger, but him versus DJ is a matchup we could see. If DJ wanted to test himself mm. at 135. He, DJ don't want to go 135 again. He's too small. He's at 135 now. Yeah, but he's, he's still it, versus the elite of the elite. Yeah, he, excuse me. He'd have to go to 145. Yeah, he, he's too small. Like, he's too small for that shit. Him versus Pitbull would be one hell of a fight. Pitbull like, might fuck him up because he's too small. That'd be great. That'd be great. I agree. I agree. There, there's That's just not a matchup that I would immediately put down. Like, I'd like to see McKee. Versus just about anybody in the UFC. Yeah, that's fair. Who wins, Triple C or Pitbull? That's more oomph to that match. Yeah. I'm going to take Pitbull. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am going to take Pitbull. Wow. <laughs> Those hands are heavy, man. And as, as great as Cejudo has been, like, he beat Marlon Moraes because he kind of just wore him down, right? And yep. he beat Dominic Cruz... Dominic Cruz a little bit longer in the tooth. Hadn't really, you know, done a... But then Pitbull is, like, right in the middle of his stride. Like, I don't think he's on the back end of anything. And I think if he catches Cejudo fucking around trying to shoot for a takedown, he just destroys him. I don't think... Pitbull is one of the better finishers in all of MMA. If he gets you in trouble, he's taking you out. And I think he gets Cejudo in trouble. Hell of a fight, though. Could go the other way, but I'd like to see it. Yeah, we always pick against Cejudo. This asshole wins. Yeah, no. It's amazing. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> it fits into the gimmick so well alright we're going to take one more break when we come back we're going to wrap this up by talking UFC we have a card to recap from last weekend and we have to preview the upcoming UFC pay-per-view UFC 256 so stay right there we'll be right back we'll get right back to the show in a second but first the wait is finally over football is back you might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
All right, we are back for the home stretch, and we are talking UFC. Dre, we got to talk two fights from last weekend, one being Jamal Hill coming through, continuing his run, another guy off of the Contender Series, just putting it on OSP. Yeah, yeah. And this is that new blood we need in the light heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's there yet. I think OSP, like, looking at that fight, uh, OSP looked okay early. He was hurting him to the late. He did a lot of damage to Jamal Hill's leg early. But then Jamal just caught him. Got heavy hands, man. And that's always going to be a great equalizer for, like, the lower end of the, the light heavyweight division. And it'll be good to watch him go up. But, you know, I'm not even going to say the top is all that talented, even though Dominic Ray is, strangely enough, as good as he should have been. I, he should be champ, but he's not. Um... But he'll be intriguing to watch in the division. I think he may lose another fight or two, but he'll be fun to watch. OSP might be on that list of people about to get cut. That's You know what's crazy? Think about that. He went the distance with John Jones. Yo, yeah, not too long ago. Not, Three years, maybe? Yeah, he went the distance with John Jones, but he's been here for a while. So, yeah, maybe because he's out of the top 15 now, I believe, it might be time to send OSP to Bellator. Everybody, I guess, is just going to Bellator. Everybody going to Bellator. They could use the help of those heavier divisions. Yeah, it'd be it's it's it'd be fun to see, but at the same time, it's hard to justify that you have like the best division when you got a bunch of UFC castoffs, and then one of them ends up becoming champ. That's what you don't yeah, that want. Hurts. Like if, like Ryan Bader hurt hurt yeah. the logic. Like you look at Yoel Romero, right? We don't know where the fuck Yoel's going to end up. Combate's courting him. Um, I'd love to see him in Bellator. Him versus Tito? I want to see that first. Yeah. Before he signs anyone. I want to yeah. see that first. I, I want Soldier a guy to beat up Tito so bad that he can't continue his council seat in Huntington Beach. Yeah. And then just kind of, you know, have his jaw wired shut. Yoel, but Yoel Romero is clearly a guy who can go to Bellator and probably just become double champion in middleweight and light heavyweight. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Not me either. I mean, people still are scared as hell of him. I mean, wouldn't and unless you, unless you're Izzy and you can, you know, get him to not throw his hands. If you get in a firefight, you're going to sleep. But I mean, even in the Izzy fight, like Izzy caught one and was like, mm, I don't want to deal with that shit anymore because that dude is yep. crazy. Like, look at him. He was forty two years old. Looks like a super soldier. Man, sixty five years old, probably. <laughs> Man, and just ripped. Yeah, it, it's crazy. So. Uh, hopefully he signs with Bellator. I think that's that's a good get for Bellator, regardless of age. Indeed. That's a guy who's a contender in the UFC if you can snag him over and, and let him test himself. So I think that's really good. And then the main event, we had Vittori versus Hermanson. I thought Vittori didn't get the finish, but looked great all the way through. Yeah, he did. And never slowed down in 25 minutes. Yeah, I mean, man. I don't think a lot of people pick Vittori to beat Hermanson, but uh, Vittori's hands look great. I believe, I can't remember who his boxing coach is now, but it, it's you could see the difference in his striking. So now you got a, a another person in the middleweight division that's kind of interesting to watch. You know, Vittori, he gave Adesanya some fits in their fight. So it's like, I'd like to see where Vittori goes from here. Hermanson, I don't know, man. The middleweight division is kind of volatile right now. Um, and with Adesanya moving up to light heavyweight, it's kind of okay to see how this division shakes out. Now that Jared, Jared Cannonier is lost and Robert Whitaker won again, and it's like you need some new blood, and Adesanya can come back when they figure that shit out. No, yeah, I, I think that's probably the best plan, right? Like, let it 
funnel through, see who becomes like the top of the top, and then Adesanya will fight them. Yeah. So no rush for Adesanya to to come back though, because they got a lot of stuff to figure out in that division. And then that brings us to previewing UFC 256 this upcoming weekend. It's pretty much a main card, but the main card is not bad right now. A lot of fights fell off of this. I think a proposed 13 fights have changed from this card. So to pull together a pay-per-view at all is miraculous. So I'll give them a hand on that one. Still time, though. Still got two days. Yeah, but still time for shit to change. By the time you guys listen to this, I wouldn't be surprised if another main card fight fell off. Damn shame. But we're going to pick what's available right now. Um, JDS versus Sorrell in the first fight of the night. JDS is another guy where, I, I mean, he's still so relevant. That's a guy you got to keep. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially in that heavyweight and, division. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's only 36. I know. It makes it, He feels like he's like 43, but no. Been around forever. But, I mean, lost three of his last four tough-ass fights, though. Rosenstruck knocks him out. Curtis Blades knocks him out um, with ground and pound. He beat Derek Lewis by knockout, but lost to Francis before then by knockout. So that's that's tough, man. He It's only top five guys, but I'm not sure if he can beat top five guys. Enter a prospect. And let's see if he can, you know, play spoiler in this gatekeeper role one time. I'm going to pick him to win. You're picking Cyril Gain to beat JDS? No, I'm picking oh, JDS to win. Okay. I'm picking JDS Cyril, as well. Cyril Gain, listen, 6-0, and you look great. Trained with Francis before. There's some good talk around the kid. JDS isn't a gatekeeper yet. No, I agree. I mean, his biggest win is Tanner Bozers. And it's like the striking is there. Unless JDS is just completely washed up, uh, Cyril Gain is probably going to lose. And he might get stopped. And this gets JDS momentum all over again. So, yep. yeah, I'm picking JDS as well. Yeah, if you're outside of top five, I think JDS still puts hands on you. Yeah, definitely. And that's where we are. Uh, Kevin Holland versus Jacare. I still can't believe this fight is happening. Me either. (laughs) I I can't remember the last time I saw Jacare. But uh, give me Kevin Holland, obviously. Yeah. By death. Dog. (laughs) By death touch. This this is such a weird fight to me because I would have picked Kevin Holland last week. But the fact that he got the Rona... And then they booked him for a fight the following week. And it's like, between the weight cut, not being able to train or spar for these last week and a half now, I don't know, man. But I'm going to pick Kevin Holland. The only, well, shit. Yeah, I'm going to pick Kevin Holland, but I'm not terribly confident in it. Because if Jacare gets Kevin Holland on the mat, it is over. Jacare gets anyone on the match. Yeah. So. <laughs> so I don't know how his conditioning is going to be for three rounds. Maybe he's okay, but I don't know if there's, he's had any effect. Uh, he can say what he wants, but we'll see when the cage door shuts. And I kind of like to see Kevin Holland get a nice little run. I like that he talks a lot of shit while he fights. So I'm going to pick Kevin Holland. Not a ton of confidence. I can easily see Jacare just wrapping him up and putting him away early in the first round. But I think Holland's striking is going to be good enough to get let him win a three-round decision. Yeah, and it'll be a good check for, you know, Holland because, again, all that adversity come back from Rona taking the immediate turnover on this fight. And then, you know, you look at Jacare's past couple fights. Hermanson, that's a guy who's really good right now at the top of his division in middleweight. Lost to him five rounds. No shame there. Lost to Jan at light heavyweight. That is now the champion. And then lost to Gaslam. 
Outside of that, he's beat Weidman. He's beat Brunson. It, he's had tough fights, all going the distance. Yeah. So me picking Kevin is like, all right, like if you stop Jacare, you did something right because no one is stopping this guy. Indeed. Um, next up, Mackenzie Dern versus Verna. I hate <laughs> Janderoba. Janderoba, thank you. Verna Janderoba versus Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern highlight show. Mackenzie Dern tries to snatch a limb off and uh, give me a second round sub. I really like this fight. Janderoba uh, is no slouch on the ground. She's actually really fucking good. But Mackenzie Dern is world class. Yeah, um, like <laughs> so it'll be fun to watch this as it. You know, what'll probably end up happening is they'll end up striking for a majority the whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what'll probably end up happening. But if this fight were to hit the mat and to watch, like Mackenzie Dern, what she does so well is she seamlessly transitions from uh, point of submission to control. And then she kind of manipulates, she knows how to manipulate, like she does everything right. But Chandra Rubb has done the same thing. She rolled Felice Herrig in her last fight extremely quick. But again, Felice Herrig is not, you know, Mackenzie Dern. So. I'm going to pick Dern here. I think this could be fun. Even if it turns into a striking match, that'll be fun. I, I kind of figure that Dern's going to want to show off her striking, and Gender Robe is not going to be interested in going to the mat with her, so we're going to get a striking match. Okay. So, yeah, Mackenzie Dern, by decision, might be a good betting play, if you guys are listening out there. And then um, co-main event, Tony Ferguson versus Charles Oliveira. I mean, Oliveira's good, but it's Tony Ferguson. I don't think he fell off like that. Give me, give me Tony to win, and bring back the the elbows and all that craziness, and do some spinny weird shit. Boy, this is tough for me. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot because what I said about Tony Ferguson before still holds true. Before he fought Justin Gaethje, that run that he went on was kind of devoid of top tier competition. Right? There were certain fighters you were like, ah, okay, like Edson Barbosa, Orlando Venata almost got him out of here. He beat RDA. Yeah, but RDA had already lost. Like, everybody he beat was coming off Kevin of a loss. Lee. For the most part, yeah. a lot of people that he beat during that run was coming off a loss. And Charles, like, Dubronx has been rolling lately. But the key to beating Tony Ferguson is striking. Yep. And as much as Dubronx has improved in the striking department, I don't think he'll have the edge here. The big question is how it's not even physical, mental. What did the Justin Gagey beating do to Tony Ferguson? Because I'm not worried about his face. I'm worried about his mind. Because he talks a good game. He's a fucking psychopath. But yeah. Justin Gagey beat the shit out of Tony Ferguson. Like in ways that, like, <laughs> for those of you who have gotten a chance to watch like the Macho Camacho documentary on Showtime, which is really fucking good. There's a part in there where Camacho talks about, oh, God damn, I can't remember who he fought. Um, but he got hit and he got hurt for the first time in his career. And Camacho went to his locker room and said, I didn't like that. And from that point on, for a good five, six, seven fights, and I, I started remembering because um, I was a kid when I saw this. He went from very safe and then he finally got out of his own head and started being an attacker again and using his hand speed and everything else. Tony Ferguson might be gun shy in this fight. Because of that ass whooping he got. So that means it would co go to the ground. And if it goes to the ground, Oliveira has an advantage there as well. 
Yeah, if it goes to the ground, I think Tony could survive if it went to the ground. But it'd be just that. It'd be survival. Yeah, so I'm going to pick Dubronx in the upset. As much as like Tony Ferguson, there's a lot of questions. And I think as good as Dubronx is on the ground, his striking isn't terribly improved. But I think Ferguson might make a mistake bringing this fight to the mat and find himself getting eh, put to sleep, not even submitted. Hmm. All right. I mean, I think this goes this goes the distance. I, I really wish this was a twenty five minute fight. I do too. Then we really get to see like this being three rounds is kind of weird to me. But all right, I would, three round fight, fifteen minutes. I'm still taking Ferguson. I, I don't think there'll be enough opportunities for Oliveira to get that submission finish. And then main events. Off of a one-month turnaround, Davidson Figueroa versus Brandon Moreno. Figueroa is going to add him to the highlight reel. I, th- I think so, too. And I like Brandon He's, Moreno a lot. Me, too. But there's, there's levels to this shit. Yeah. And it's not the level to be on. And then I think that means we finally get the Figueroa versus Cody Garbrandt fight sometime in the spring. You know, given Cody Garbrandt could shake the lasting effects he's had from the Rona. Yeah, and nobody would have picked this at the beginning of the year. Figured out a wins this fight, as we all expect him to. He's fighter of the year. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who else fought enough nobody. to take it from him. The motherfucker just, he's going to have a 21-day turnaround. Granted, it's Alex Perez, and he wiped him out. But if he does the same and just mushes Brandon Moreno in a 21-day turnaround, defending titles twice, where, like, he's defended his title double the times as Stipe Miocic in much less time. Stipe hasn't defended that title since he beat Cormier. And here comes Figueredo beating Benavidez, beating, like, thumping Benavidez, thumping Alex Perez, and then what I expect, he's going to finish Brandon Moreno because Brandon's been talking a lot of shit, too. That's, this is your fight of the year, folks. I, nobody would have ever predicted that a flyweight in a division that we thought was going to be shut down will now produce the fighter of the year. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> like, it... It's one hell of a year from him, and next year could be even bigger. Because I think there's there's legit names out there now. Like a Garbrandt fight is a name yeah. for him to stop. Like that's, you're pushing him into the realm of, like you said, a division we thought was a wrap. To now, okay, like now we're getting some matches. We have a guy who can lead this division. And... I think at 135 and at 125, the question still becomes, can you win enough and be impressive enough to smoke Triple C out of retirement? I think so. I think if Figueredo were to... Well, I don't I don't think... That cut is the only reason yeah. I'm hesitant. I, I, if it wasn't for the cut, I would say guaranteed in 2021, we see Figueredo versus Triple C. But the... Dropping down to 125 when you've been out a year, you've been chilling, you got the girl, you've been eating good. It's a whole different thing to get back to that weight. Yeah, that's that's the problem. I don't think Cejudo's going to want to go back down to flyweight to fight him. But that would be the guy to bring you out. It's like, oh, I'm the champ. I've defended this shit. Come get it. And Cejudo might be yep. bold enough to try to make that cut because he did it as an Olympian for so long. He knows how to do it. But figure that was a problem. For me, he's the only person to beat him. And other than that, He's just washing people. Yeah, and he's on a whole different level than he was then. Indeed. he He's figured something out. It's click for him. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun fight. I don't expect this one to go the distance in the main event. 
but it should make for a good night of action. So make sure you guys check that out on Saturday night. Next week, we'll be talking, obviously, the recap of this fight. And then one hell of a card on the 19th for a fight night card where we have Jose Aldo versus Marlon Vera. We have Wonder Boy versus Jeff Neal on that card. Uh, Marlon Moraes is on that card versus Rob Font. Greg Hardy does another turnaround. He's on that card versus Marcin Tybera, which is someone who's actually a little bit more of a challenge than we see get Greg Hardy have. Um, so, yeah, some good fights on that card. Anthony Pettis is on this card? Yes, he is. Yo, crazy. So, it is a pretty good card for a fight night. So, we have a lot of MMA to talk next week, too. So, that should be fun. Again, we want to thank you guys for listening, as always. Make sure you guys stay safe, stay Rona-free out there until next summer when we can all run around freely, hopefully, and we can wild out again. Until then, make sure you guys are, are keeping it calm. We really appreciate you guys listening every week. You can follow us on social media, at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me, at Kel Dansby, him, at Andreas Hale on all platforms. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network, as always. Shout out to all of our sponsors. Make sure... You guys check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes, on adfreeshows.com. Great interviews there. Shane Taylor was great this past episode. We have another one coming at you in a couple of weeks that were really, really good that you guys don't want to miss either. We're rolling with that show, so make sure you guys check that out, adfreeshows.com, and support. Support the brand. Support all the people there. Until next time, though, this was fun. We're out. Peace. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.